In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, today is the third Sunday of Advent, and it's titled Gaudete, which is Latin for rejoice. And it comes from the intro for the day, the words that we sang, that psalm, uh, and the antiphon. It comes uh, from those words, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. And so Advent is a penitential season. It's a season of repentance and self-reflection. It's a time to look at your own sin and to lament them. Which is why, historically, the color of, of the season uh, for Advent is purple. It's like a mini Lent. It's just as Lent prepares us for Easter, so too Advent prepares us for Christmas. But you'll notice that on the Advent wreath and uh, the, just the theme of the day today is very different. Uh, this Sunday, the candle on the Advent wreath is a rose color or pink, and it's violet or purple lightened up. And this reminds us that even while we wait for the coming of Christ, we have joy. Even while we wait for our dear Lord to return to rescue us from this veil of tears, we have hope and we have gladness. Although we walk through this life in the valley of the shadow of death, we have his rod and his staff to guide us. So today, the mood of Advent lightens up as we consider the hope we have in Christ. And so if there's ever a time of the year that seems joyful, it's this time. Everything seems joyful. People decorate their trees and their houses with lights and ornaments. Uh, people spend money on gifts for others that they wouldn't normally spend uh, money on. They think more about what other people want and need more than they themselves want and uh, uh, need for themselves. Uh, they listen to happy and cheerful music about family, about snow, about uh, drawing near to those we love. And people go out of their ways to do things with family and friends. They change their schedule to make it happen. And this is how it is for most people. It's a joyful time. But for many, Advent and Christmas isn't really that joyful of a time of the year. And for many, it makes matters worse. For many, this season is a time, or this time of the year, is a time when they can't avoid the things that they long for so much. During this season, it's this time where families come together, many can't avoid the fact that their own family has drifted apart and can't be together anymore. It's during this season where loved ones spend time together that many can't help but remember that their loved ones who have left them or their loved ones who have died or their friends who are gone or their love that is lost. It's a season where many times plans get canceled or where someone gets hurt relationship is fractured. While everyone is getting together, some are plagued with the stark reality that they are alone. While everyone is exchanging gifts, some are afflicted with the reality that they have nothing to give and nothing to receive from others. While so many spend time with those they love, some feel the depth of sin as death is taking away those they love most. And when we experience these things, especially during these times, it causes us to become embittered. It causes us to become angry and sad. When we see all of these things happening around us and everyone else kind of in a cheerful mood, it only magnifies the intensity of our own difficulties, our own depression, our own anxiety, our own loneliness, our own despair. And then when we come to church, we hear the apostle of Christ. We hear Paul say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And we hear these words that are like nails on a chalkboard that don't help our condition at all, apparently. 
It just seems unrealistic that you would walk around with a smile all, all day, all year. And we think of this as another burden, another law to keep while we suffer quietly alone. When we hear that we're supposed to rejoice always, we immediately think of our own condition and how we actually don't have much to rejoice over. And the temptation is to look all around you and to conclude that, look, there's nothing to rejoice over. The temptation is to think that if you don't feel this joy of Christmas, then it must not be true. It must not be a real thing. And this is, in, in fact, how the devil leads us astray. The devil wants us to believe that joy is a feeling, that it's no different than happiness. That he, and, and if he can convince us that we have nothing to rejoice over, then the minute that feeling goes away, then so does our reason and our cause to rejoice. Satan wants us to believe that joy comes and goes, that it ebbs and flows, that there's no possible way to rejoice always, that there's no good reason to be joyful in all things. When the devil succeeds in convincing us that joy is tied to health, wealth, and success, then he's brought us a step closer into his kingdom. Because if our joy depends on these things, on what our, our, our bodies or what we have, then our joy disappears when those things fade and disappear. If we get sick, then he convinces us that we have no reason to be joyful. If we lose our fortune and our finances dwindle, then we lose our reason to rejoice. If the pews become empty in the church and the attendance is scarce, then we conclude there's not really much to delight in. But the truth is, finances dwindle, people do stop attending services, churches close their doors, families fall apart. And yet the Apostle says, the Apostle Paul says, in the imperative, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. It's a command. But you can't force joy, and you can't prescribe joy. Just as you can't force love or sadness, neither can you force joy and gladness. But when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, what does he mean? He says, this is what the Christian life uh, is, what it should be. So if you, you know, go on your phone or uh, your computer at home, you do a quick Google search for how to live a joyful life, you're going to have a million results, and you're going to get everything from do whatever makes you happy to uh, do whatever makes other people happy and everything in between. And most of it, if not all of it, focuses on what you need to do in order to make yourself more joyful. But the truth is, none of that works. Because your works are incomplete, and therefore your joy will always be lacking and incomplete. So when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, how can this be? Doesn't he know that life is hard? Doesn't he know that people die? Doesn't he know that sin afflicts us? Doesn't he know that we have guilt to wrestle with? Doesn't he know all these things? Of course he does. And he knows this better than you as he suffered worse than you did. And yet his words remain true. So the key to these words lies in the fact that Paul doesn't just simply say rejoice always. He says rejoice in the Lord always. And this makes all the difference. Because when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, this means nothing more, nothing less than to put your faith in the promises of Christ. It means to rejoice in Jesus. And when you have Jesus, then you always have a reason to rejoice. True joy only comes from true faith, and true faith only comes from the true gospel that reveals to you God as he truly is. So if you know who God truly is, then you know what joy truly is. 
Because God is the God who comes to sinners. He's the God who finds you in sorrow over your sin and death, and he forgives you with his blood. God is the God who took on flesh even while the world felt like they didn't need him, when they didn't want him. He's the God who took on flesh, was laid into a manger, who was nailed to a tree for you. He's the God who took spit upon his face and blows to his brow. He's the God who suffered and bled, who gasped and died for you. The God you have is the God who forgave every single one of your sins, every sin of this entire world from the beginning to the end. And this God doesn't come to you because you repent. He comes to you because he loved you before you ever repented. In fact, while you were still in your sin, he loved you. He didn't come to you because you were pure and holy. In fact, he came to you before you could offer him your broken heart. He offered you his. Before you could open your lips to declare his praise, he opened his to forgive all of your sins. Before you could move your hand to do any good, he opened his hand to be nailed and nailed to a cross. The world can be happy with things here and there, and this happiness will fade. But you, dear Christians, have joy, and joy doesn't fade. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and joy is found only in Jesus. So if you don't have Jesus, then you cannot truly have joy. No matter how healthy, wealthy, or wise you might be, you have nothing to rejoice over. But joy is found in his manger. Joy is found in his passion. Joy is found in his wounds. It's found in the sorrow of Christ. Joy isn't found in your selflessness, but it's found in the selflessness and and the self-donation of Christ for you in his work, in his words, and in his love for you. And so this is why you can rejoice in the Lord always. You never stop rejoicing because God never stops being gracious and merciful to you. You never stop rejoicing because your dear father never forgets the blood that Christ shed for you. You never stop rejoicing because your sins are always forgiven in him. You never stop rejoicing because no matter how narrow your sins might make the gate of eternal life seem, the door of heaven is wide open to you through Christ. You never stop rejoicing because no matter how much your sin abounded, God's grace abounded all the more. So even if you're weighed down by sorrow and regret, even if you're shackled down by your sin and death, even if you're imprisoned like John the Baptist awaiting an impending doom that you can't shake, the joy of Christ bursts forth into your prison and isolation with his word here today. His joy bursts forth into this fallen world and gives you a reason to rejoice at all times. Jesus never said that if we are his children, we'll never be unhappy or we'll never be mournful. But he does say that we will always have a reason to rejoice in him, even in the midst of misery and anguish. Jesus gives you joy even if you don't feel that joy. He gives you peace even if you don't experience that peace. And what he has done for you is true, whether you see it or not. Even more, Jesus never promised that you will feel this joy. But he did promise that no matter what happens, you have a reason to rejoice because nothing can take away his love for you. Because nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. So this Advent and Christmas, you might feel joyful and you might not. But whether you feel that joy or not doesn't really matter. Because no matter what you feel in this moment, Jesus has given you something to rejoice over. 
his forgiveness, his life, and his salvation. So even if tears fall from your face, even if melancholy and apathy fill your heart, even if sadness and sorrow pour over you, Jesus has given you a joy that this world cannot give. And because this world didn't give you that joy, the world neither can take it away. This joy is stronger than any suffering and sadness you might face. You have joy in the midst of your sufferings because God is working all things for your good, all things for your benefit. Your suffering must work together for his good. So if you're discontent, if you're weighed down by the guilt of your sin, if you're sad and lonely, then you look to the cross and you gaze at the wounds of Christ that cheer your broken heart. So when you hear God's holy gospel, that's when you have joy. When he pronounces you forgiven, that's when he has given you joy beyond all gladness. His, his word and his joy is true even if you don't feel it, even if you feel the opposite. Even when your worries and cares seem to blot it out. He gives you the joy that your sins are forgiven. The joy of salvation. Dear saints, this joy is yours. So rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. See my soul, thy Savior chooses weakness here and poverty. In such love he comes to thee, neither crib nor cross refuses. All he suffers for thy good, to redeem thee by his blood. Joy, O joy, beyond all gladness, Christ has done away with sadness. Hence all sorrow and repining, for the sun of grace is shining. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.